Welcome back, everyone. It's Project Mayday, and it's Bree. And G. And today we have Pete Evers, and he is a retired fire captain of over 30 years of experience. And he's going to tell us a little bit about his mental health journey and what has really helped him. So thank you so much, Pete, for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having us. So let's just start off. Uh, 30 years, I'm sure there's a lot of stories. Let's start off with how you got how you got int- interested in the fire service. Well, I come back by, um, I think, second or third generation. Uh, my godfather was in the fire service. My dad uh, was a volunteer, my uncle, several friends. And, uh, you know, it's kind of my calling, really. Um, I, right out of high school, I was volunteering, and that's what I wanted to do. Mm. I can remember as a kid, my dad would have to bring his bunker gear into the into his bedroom, and man, I was in him and pulling him up and playing on him when I was just a little kid. You were hooked. I was hooked. <laughs> I, I was hooked. Yeah. So, as you progress in your fire service, what? do you feel like has changed from when you first entered in when you are 18 and then when you left? Oh, there's so much has changed. Um, you know, it, it, the biggest change I see is, it's again, the mental health. That was That's the biggest thing. The fire service is now starting to recognize this stuff and, and getting their folks some help. Where before, you know, you just gutted it. That's all you did. You no. gutted it and moved on. Yeah, and with that, you know, gutting it mentality, have you, you know, when you were at that time, did you recognize it at the time, or was it retrospect looking back to it, like, that was kind of gutting it? Um, retrospectively, yeah. I mean, now, I yeah, I gutted it, and it was a deal with it, and you move on. Yeah. Um, where now is there's so much, uh, so many uh, programs out there, you know, mm-hmm. the, the briefings and peer support and all that stuff. I think it's great because hopefully we'll be able to uh, kind of have that downturn uh, with the amount of incidents we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's dig a little bit deeper now. Okay. We have a little bit of your summary that you've been in a long time. You were conditioned to be a firefighter. You went in as another legacy. And what happened in your career where you're on our podcast sharing about mental wellness? Well, like I said, throughout my entire career, um, I took care of my guys. I took care of them, got them into CISM stuff, uh, got them into... um, Programs, but I never took care of myself. Um, so after I retired, I, uh, I had a couple of significant events in my life that essentially rocked my world. Um, three days after I retired, I did a face plant in the front yard. And again, retrospectively looking back at all the evidence, I died. Mm. Um, and I was diagnosed with what's called uh, prolonged QT syndrome. Mm. Um, I'm now sporting a pacemaker mm-hmm. to take care of that. Um, talking to all the medical staff, it's a leading cause of death and otherwise healthy people because it's so hard to detect. Mm. You can have a normal sinus rhythm one minute, and the next minute you're face down in the front yard. Wow. Jeez. I mean, thinking about what if that happened on a fire? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, the last part of my career, I was sat, surrounded by 17 convicted felons. 
Well, speaking of that, let's talk about that. You can't just say that and then not elaborate on it. So uh, go ahead and explain what you did. Well, when I left Auburn City in 2007, I went over to Cal Fire and with the intent of running the inmate crews, I've pretty much done it all, done hazmat training, investigations, all that. I wanted something clean slate, something new. Boy, it was that interesting <laughs> um, to take 17 convicted felons and turn them into an effective and efficient firefighting force where you can go in and cut line around these fires. No. Did you experience, in that experience, did you, it, was it like excited, excitement from the inmates or like they're just doing it? Because they got nothing else to do, like, were they were they energetic about it? Well, there's benefits to it. They get yeah. time off and they make more money in the program. There's a huge media event, you know, that it's slave labor and all that. That's not the case. Mm. Um, these guys get paid. Uh, at the time, it was buck forty-five to two fifty-six an hour, and that's portal to portal. So the time they left camp to the time they got back, they were getting paid. Mm. Um, plus, they got their a dollar a day. Now, fifty-five percent of that went to um, their restitution. Mm. But you know, you have a banner fire year like last year was, and this year's yeah, they could make some decent money. Yeah. Um, I always use the analogy as it's it's like taking 17 fifth graders on a real exciting field trip. (laughs) Where they (laughs) might die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, You know, and especially if it was an immediate need uh, request, your, you know, lights and siren and all that. Yeah. You could hear them in the back hooting and hollering. Yeah. And how that transition into your kind of personal life was, yeah. you know, your significant other, like, hey, you're all with these, you know, convicted felons, like, what are you doing? Well, I spent uh, more time during the summer, again, with convicted felons than I did my own family. Yeah. Um, so that weighed heavy. Um, you know, you were gone. My first year with Cal Fire was gone from May until mid-December. Wow. Gone. <laughs> You know, I'd come back one or two days during that time frame, but then right back to work. Okay, so knowing the stress and the schedule conflicts, I mean, there's so much stress with just the culture of being a first responder. But you said there were a few events. So you said, one, you dropped dead. That's Mm -hmm. a pretty big event. (laughs) What were some other events that happened? Well, the second one, and bear with me, um, we had to put our dog down. Mm. Uh, And... uh, that was the event that triggered it all. And the easiest way to describe it was an emotional projectile vomiting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a dog, but it was that one incident that triggered it all. Mm-hmm. Um, brought out a lot of uh, emotion, a lot of um, being, you know, I ended up being in a dark place. Mm. Um, but in again retrospectively looking back a lot of the signs and symptoms were already there yeah mm. you know the isolation um the self-medicating 
um, and just not not being a good headspace. No. So once I got through the treatment um, with with my uh, uh, therapist, now I can look back and go, oh yeah, that's what that was. Mm. That's what I was, why I was feeling that way. Yeah. So when you say treatment, were you already in therapy before this, or was it because you found yourself in a dark place and it was in consequence to that? It, that's what it was. I okay. found myself in a dark place, and um, I says, "I'm tired of feeling this way. I need to do something." Yeah. Because I'm, I, and really, in talking with a lot of other first responders that are in this headspace, is that was the biggest thing. Is I'm tired of feeling this way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel this way. No. Um, and so I reached out to a friend of mine that uh, had pretty much in the same spot, recommended a, a counselor, a local counselor. She's uh, one of the leading um, counselors with uh, PTSD and um, EMDR. Mm. Did you do that? I did that. Oh, did it make a difference? It made a huge difference. Wow. And anybody, I recommend her to anybody I talk to, and if they're out of the area, Find a good counselor that yeah. is familiar with PTSD and um, first responders yeah. because, yeah, we're a special breed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and let the EMDR work. It's yeah. scary, but yeah. it works. Hmm. So going through these experiences, diving in with a therapist, and, you know, it's kind of like you... You pulled the cork out and when your dog passed away and all of a sudden all of these emotions kind of came out. Mm-hmm. Could you pinpoint incidents that weren't dealt with that were stuffed down or was it just feelings that accumulated? It was feelings and it was also um, incidents. Uh, there was one particular incident. We had a, a double fatality where um, I-80 uh, just coming into Auburn this is when I was with Auburn City, and I couldn't go by that. And I've, it was double fatality, but they also burned. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I really, every time I drive by that, it was like taking a book, opening up, and just thumbing through the pages. Huh. Mm. And not only just that incident, but it was all of them, just rapid fire. Huh. And there was some other personal um Incidents, you know, family-related incidents that also started coming out. Yeah. And I was able to power through it all. And you said your father was a firefighter? He was a volunteer, yeah. So do you think being raised already in that culture, too, that affected you even seeking treatment? Um, yeah. Again, you're programmed to gut it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't show emotion. Yeah. You power through it go from one call to the next mm-hmm. and you don't let this stuff bother you until it bothers you you know now you know you're, you're retired and you know you're kind of dealing with just retirement in general and now you're getting into something new which we have your special guest here uh ferguson with us but um fergus fergus sorry um, tell us about that project well um, after we lost a dog, um, 
before that, my wife and I decided no more dogs. We're not getting more dogs. Um, it's quite evident that I needed another dog. Mm -hmm. I've heard about service dogs, uh, mainly with disability, folks with disabilities, um, and the, uh, the comfort dogs and therapy dogs and all that stuff. And it was quite apparent that I needed another dog. And so we started looking for reputable breeders. We knew what we wanted, what type of dog. Um, initially, I wanted a Belgian Malinois, but um, found out that they don't make good service dogs. So um, we found Fergus and um, brought him home. We found him from a breeder in Hesperia. So uh, my wife and I were sitting there on a Sunday morning, and she says, you want to go for a ride? I said, sure, where are we going? L.A. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Short ride. Yeah, short ride. <laughs> no, it wasn't L.A., it was Hesperia. <laughs> so... Um, we found him, found um, four paws to freedom, went through the evaluation process, and here we are. Mm -hmm. um, it took us about about a year to go through the program, and it's, it's a great program because you're paired with the dog, or not paired with the dog, you come with the dog, and you go through the training together, mm -hmm. especially if they're young. How long is the program? It... Uh, Anywhere from a year to two years, depending oh. on the dog and the handler. You know, mm. we've, we have some folks that have uh, um, some traumatic brain injuries, uh -huh. and so you know their cognitive stuff is uh, affected. So it takes them a longer to get through it. But um, again, we we stick with a no one left behind. Mm. So we'll get everybody through. No, and what, what kind of cues do they do the dogs pick up on? Or what about, you know, your yours in particular, I guess, if you want to share? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, it's um, hypervigilance. Costco's a nightmare for me. <laughs> um, there's been times where I've literally had to go in the back of the store and sit down and practice my four square breathing um, and just to get out of the store. And so now with Fergus, he senses that hypervigilance and he his cue is to bump up against my leg mm. and what that does it interrupts that hypervigilance behavior and i just i concentrate on him rather than the people and what are they doing and why are they doing that where are the exits <laughs> um and and then with the hypervigilance comes the anxiety um I can be, um, it can be where he's at right now, and I can start tapping my leg, and he'll come over and alert by doing what's called a uh, paw up, mm. and he'll put his, his paw on my leg. Again, that stops that behavior mm. and puts focus on him. Mm. Um, if for some reason I have a complete meltdown, um, what I do is I put my head, my face in my hand in my hands. Again, he that's a behavior interruption. So he comes over and starts pulling my hand down with his paw. Mm. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And um, if that doesn't work, he steps back and just starts barking. <laughs> that, that, would, that would work. Yeah. That would work for yeah. sure. And Jeez. he'll do. Um, if that doesn't work, he'll actually step it up and do both. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. With the program, um, 
there's three three benchmarks you go to, and that third benchmark is it requires you to kind of do a self evaluation on what your triggers are. So you can the trainers can train help you train your dog to react to those triggers. So how did you really get into this program though? How did you know about it? You know, you got the dog, you went on your little road trip, and then what? Um, we found them, and I contacted them. They said, yeah, come down and talk to us. Um, I met one of the, the lead trainer uh, over at the uh, Everett County Fairgrounds, did my evaluation there. She looked at the dog, ran in through some tests, and looked at me, asked me some questions, and yeah, we're in the program. Hmm. It was a perfect match. Yeah, and we just found it by chance. So we're hoping that more people may take advantage of this program, but to be clear, it's a nonprofit out of Northern California. That's correct. The offices, the company's based out of, the organization's based out of Rancho Cordova. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do training classes in El Dorado Hills at the Pet Food Express. Also in Roseville, Pet Food Express at the Fountains. And then we just started back up having classes at Sierra College. Are you linked with any departments? Um, as far as fire departments, no. No. We're, we've just started this this program with for doing a uh, aggressive, um, what would you call it, blast, I guess, to get more first responders uh, service dogs. Um, We're currently working a pilot program with the City of Sacramento Fire Department, and we're providing training to their facility dog programs. Mm. Um, Their goal initially for the pilot program is having four dogs um, with long-term goals, 13 dogs. Mm-hmm. Now, these dogs won't be emergency response dogs. They'll just be facility dogs for the stations. They'll be assigned a primary handler and a secondary handler. Mm-hmm. So, we're bringing therapy dogs into the firehouse, is what you're saying? Pretty much. I mean, dogs used to be in the firehouse. And uh, they, uh, I'm saying, now awesome. they're going to be therapy dogs. <laughs> I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And what was another thing that was really cool uh, when Bree was talking to me about you was, uh, that it's free. Like you just show up with your dogs, you pay for your dog, but you yes. show up and the training is free. Yep. For first responders and veterans, yeah. uh, there's no charge. It's all paid for with grants and fundraising. That's that's how we put the programs on. So how has this program changed your life with just all of your background, stuffing it down, you know, having this moment of chaos and crisis really? And then swearing you're not going to have another dog, and now you have Fergus. We, ha- we actually have two dogs. We have <laughs> Fergus and we have Maggie, which just started the program. God. So, yeah, she's another another uh, golden retriever. Um, how does it affect me? I, I guess it's just quality of life. Hmm. Um, it's improved my quality of life. I thought I was done packing stuff around for kids, but now I'm packing stuff around for service dogs. (laughs) Um, It's, uh, yeah, it's an improver of quality of life because if I do have an issue like Disneyland, um, being in large crowds, you know, that whole hypervigilance stuff, um, he's alerting me and bringing me back down to earth. Mm -hmm. Um, If I do have a moment, 
you know, whatever, a trigger, um, he's there. You know, a lot of times uh, people don't understand the effects of, of PTSD. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you go through it, but it, it's, it's nothing that you get over. Mm-hmm. You are given tools to manage it, and that's where the service dog comes in. Is It's another tool to manage manage the effects of PTSD. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I I definitely think that, you know, with this type of resource, it really does pinpoint what you just said. It's about your quality of life. And with a lot of our first responders, the culture is shifting and it is changing, but it's like we should go into preventative work and still, you know, before we hit that dark place of chaos, let's get the therapy dogs in now. Let's do the debriefings now, you know, and so we mm-hmm. can correctly file things away. Absolutely. So I really appreciate you sharing, you know, just your personal history because it's very vulnerable. And, you know, we're taught that that's embarrassing when it it is, it just is. You know, you just kind of absorb the world's pain as a first responder and then you don't know what to do with it. So, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, sharing that about Mm. Four Paws to Freedom. And we're going to link that down below. For sure. How old is uh, Fergus? Fergus is three years old. Uh, we got him when he was about 10 weeks. Oh, oh wow. So he, uh, we definitely have the bond. No, for sure. Um, and like, I mean, you're talking about, you know, you're losing your first dog and you had a meltdown. I, I just, I'm just, I, it just sucks because I have to think about, you know, Fergus ultimately one day and it's just like, holy smokes. Hey, we're not going to go. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> well, no that's, I, that's why he has Maggie. Yeah. He's <laughs> training Maggie. Uh, wow. No, an incredible story. And thank you for coming on and sharing. Uh, but we're not quite done with you yet. Yep. Okay. We got to put you through our <laughs> rapid fire before you get out of here. So the rules are, uh, there's five questions and you have to answer in one word or one phrase. And some of them are light, but some are a little bit heavier, so we'll see what you come up with on the top of your head, okay? Okay. All right, go ahead, Bri. Okay, you can elaborate on some of these. Okay, so. I can or cannot? You can. Okay. Okay, number one, what's your favorite dog breed? English Crane Golden Retriever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two, something you don't miss from the fire service. Politics. Oh, yeah. For sure. One word. That was quick. Yeah, quick. (laughs) Number three. What would you make... What would make you valuable in the end of the world scenario? Uh, My background. (laughs) 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 With all the cones. (laughs) Okay. Number four. If dogs could talk, which breed would be the rudest? Um, probably the Belgian Malinois. <laughs> the one you wanted? Yeah. <laughs> they, they nicknamed um, Belgian Malin Jaws. For um, oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, no. We're going to have to put a picture. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then last question. What's one word to describe your mental health today? Improving. That's good. Yeah. That's actually, that's Moving a really forward. good one. Oh, for sure. Work in progress. <laughs> for sure. Thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it and really appreciate you talking about, you know, getting vulnerable and talking about, you know, your your kind of lows and also your highs, you know, now. So I uh, really appreciate you coming on. And also thank you for sharing about your um, project. And hopefully you'll get some calls here or emails here soon. And uh, we'll get some more dogs out to first responders. That sounds great. Thanks for having us, guys. Absolutely. All right, All right guys, this is Project Made. Call out. Call out.